Take your Bibles, if you've got them, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Anybody here ever make a mistake? See your hands. How many of you have made a mistake? Yeah, that's all of us, right? Sometimes they're big mistakes, sometimes they're small mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. In fact, even churches make mistakes. Now, some of you have probably seen some of these, but this week I ran across again. Uh, somebody emailed me, ran across again. Some bulletin bloopers from churches. Right? For instance, this was in a bulletin. The pastor would appreciate if the ladies of the congregation would lend him their electric girdles for the pancake breakfast next Sunday morning. I don't know what he's going to do with the girdles, but apparently they cook pancakes. The pastor will preach his farewell message, after which the choir will sing, Break Forth Into Joy. <laughs> Irving Benson and Jesse Carter were married on October 24th in the church. So ends a friendship that began in their school days. <laughs> no testimonies, please. This was an announcement in the church bulletin for a national prayer and fasting conference that said the cost for attending the fasting and prayer conference includes all meals. Some of you will get that at lunch. The church will host an evening of fine dining, superb entertainment, and gracious hostility. For those of you that have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. And then a couple of unfortunate ones, all right? Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at First Presbyterian Church. Please use the large double door at the side entrance. The Low Self-Esteem Group will meet Thursday at 7 p.m. Please use the back door. The church is glad to have with us today Reverend Ralph Green, who has Mrs. Green with him. After the service, we request that all remain because we will have our annual hanging of the greens. For those of you that aren't growing up at church, that's where they put the Christmas decorations up. And here's the last one. All right. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. P.S. Don't forget your husbands. Now, we all make mistakes, right? And sometimes we um, are convinced of something that we later find out is wrong. Have you ever been absolutely convinced of something and then you found out it was wrong later? How many of you? Yeah. How many of you have a husband or wife who was absolutely convinced of something and you helped them see the error of their ways? Can I get an amen today? All right. right? That's good, right? So we all make mistakes, and there are some things that are not that big a deal to make a mistake about, and then there are some things that are really big deals. And here's the thing that I want to tell you as we kind of get started today. What we're talking about today is the most important thing that you have to get right in your life. Jesus is alive is the most altering statement in the history of the world. Now, you may not agree with the truth of it, but you can't deny that that statement has changed more than any statement in the history of the world. 2,000 years ago, someone proclaimed for the first time, He is not here. He is risen. He is alive. And that statement has 
altered and changed the world since that moment. A group, a ragtag group of guys that were running everywhere they could, hiding in a room so nobody would know where they were, turned into a group of people from that statement that literally shook the world. No statement has ever been as important as that statement. And no statement in your life will ever matter as much as what you do with Jesus as a lie. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is writing to a group of people. This isn't very long after Jesus died and rose again. This is just a few years after. And he's writing to a group of people that had had other people tell them, you can't believe all that stuff about the resurrection. And they believe that everything about the flesh we have is bad. And so they said, even if it's a resurrection, it's like the spiritual one. It's not his actual body. It's not our actual bodies. You can't believe all that stuff. In fact, if you look, usually around this time of year at magazines, those that are still you know, in existence, Time and Newsweek and U.S. News and World Report and all those kind of things, they'll often have stories about the search for the real Jesus. Can you trust the resurrection? And they'll have scholars with lots of letters after their names, with lots of articles, with lots of footnotes, saying that this cannot be true. And Paul is writing to a group of people that were starting to question Jesus' whether or not he rose from the grave. And Paul basically, in chapter 15 of the book of 1 Corinthians, we're not going to read it all. We're going to kind of focus on one verse. But if you want to have some good afternoon reading, go read all of that. Find a Bible and read it. He says, I want to clarify. This is the first verse, chapter 15. For you, the gospel I proclaim to you. You received it. You've taken your stand on it. You've been saved by it. If you hold to what I taught you. So he says, listen, I just want to make sure you understand what we talked about here. I want to make sure you understand what this gospel, this good news, this message of Jesus is. This is what he tells him. I passed on you, verse 3, I passed on to you as first priority or most important or of the highest level what I received. And Paul's going to tell him in the next few verses what that thing of first importance is, what that major thing is. And he says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. Now, here's what I love, okay? Paul doesn't say, just don't take my word for it, okay? Don't just, because I'm writing it to you, don't take my word for it. He starts giving the evidence. There were even people doubting that early. And listen to this evidence. He appeared to Peter and the twelve. He appeared to 500 brothers at one time. Most of who remained to the present. In other words, if you want to ask about it, go ask them. Some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James, his brother, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one abnormally born, he also appeared to me. You remember Paul's story. He's walking down the road. He's been persecuting Christians. And Jesus appears to him after the resurrection. And here's what I love about that. You see, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not just because the Bible says it, although that's a pretty good reason. I believe it because of the amount of evidence there is for it. And the amount of evidence there is for it includes all these eyewitnesses from different places. Matthew, a Jewish tax collector. Mark, who writes about it, who was a Greek. Luke, who was a doctor who researched everything. John, one of the people closest to Jesus. James. Who was James? His brother, right? 
few weeks ago, I got some laughs from the left side of the, the right side of, for y'all, my left side, because I said, what would it take for you to believe that your brother was God? Right? Well, it took a resurrection for James because what we see in Scripture is he didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God until after the resurrection. In fact, we find him in some places going, just quit talking and come back home. So you've got all these guys announcing it, 500 people. And so the question lies, do you believe the evidence of what happened on that day or do you not? Now, many of us in this room have come to the place in our lives where we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and that because he was raised from the dead, that has a call on our life. What I want to talk about today is why it's of first importance that Jesus rose. I'll give you four words that come because of Jesus' resurrection. And the first one is this, simply. Because He lives, we have purpose. Do you know what one of the most amazing animals to me is? It's the homing pigeon. Do you know about the homing pigeon? I know y'all probably read a lot about homing pigeons this week, right? What do homing pigeons do? You set them free, where do they go? Home, wherever home is, Right? And they don't understand, scientists don't have a clue how they know where to go. They let them go. In fact, in New Zealand, there was this guy that used to send thousands of messages because these pigeons would go between two ports, and it was almost like a a postal service. He would put in the pigeon, and they would fly. Just fly directly to where they're going. Now, scientists believe that perhaps there is some sort of magnet in their brain. They haven't found it, but perhaps that attaches itself in some way to the magnetic field of the earth, and that somehow tells them where to go. Sounds crazy to me. Doesn't make any sense. That's one of those cases where I just go, can't we just say, hey, that's the way God made them, and that's it? But here's the thing. I believe God has put inside of each of us something very similar to the pigeons. And it is a homing device that lets us know that we were made for something more than this earth and for this life and for this. Other animals do not debate the questions we debate. A dog looks at the moon and just howls. We look at the moon and study it and wonder how far it is and why it's there and what's the meaning of existence. We have people talking about, I think, therefore I am, and all those deep questions. And even if you don't deal with those deep questions, all of us have this sense that we're made for something better, we're saved for something more, that we are to be somebody, that we're to do something, that we have a purpose on this earth greater than just walking and eating and reproducing and dying. There is this innate sense. In fact, um, Scripture says that everyone is born with a sense of eternity. Solomon, one of the wealthiest men that has ever lived, wrote over and over again how nothing on this earth can satisfy this desire within us for purpose, for reason, for the reason that we're here. And yet, the resurrection of Jesus points to that reason. Now, we are here to serve and honor And glorify the Lord. And yes, we were made for something greater. Now, the problem is most of us get caught up so much in the day-to-day life that we miss the amazing opportunities. 
We're like the child at Christmas that gets tons of presents and all they want to play with is the box. You ever had that happen at your house? Ava is crawling now. Our eight-month-old is crawling everywhere. And Easter baskets are out. And there's all kinds of cool stuff in the Easter baskets. And all she wanted was the paper and the grass. You know what I'm talking about? That grass that we'll be vacuuming up for the next three months at our house. It's everywhere. God has a world and an idea for us that is bigger and grander and greater than we can imagine. And the resurrection is one of those reminders that because He lives... We have a reason for living. Now, part of that reason comes from the second thing, and this is right there in that passage that Paul talked about, is that because he lives, we also have forgiveness. We have been forgiven. One of my favorite stories um, in Scripture is the story of Peter. Because he was a guy that constantly, consistently messed up, said the wrong thing. Taught about the wrong thing. Went the wrong direction. And when he's confronted over the fact of whether he's a follower of Jesus in the deepest hour of need for Jesus, what did Peter do? Denies him. Turns away. No, I don't know him. Never known him. I'm not with them. In fact, it says in the scripture that he cursed the girl finally who asked him the third time. One of the things I love about Peter is that his failures are kind of public, right? You know, Tennessee passed a law two or three years ago where um, one of the things that they're uh, requiring in some places for drunk drivers to do is when they get caught and arrested, they make them do time on the side, community service, picking up trash. But one of the things they make them wear is a vest that says, I am a drunk driver. What if you had to wear a vest with your biggest sin or failure for everybody to see? What if you to walk around with it? And you had, for everyone displayed, what's going on and what's happening in your life. and what's ha- what, if, what if you walked in every afternoon, and every afternoon as you walked in the house, there was an LCD screen right there, and on the LCD screen was just a scrolling list of the things that you had done that were wrong. Would your vest say, I disappointed my parents, I, through His Holy Spirit, it's no match for the power that is there. And the resurrection proves it. Let's just talk in human terms for a minute, all right? What's more powerful than death? Nothing. Right? This morning I had the privilege of speaking at a sunrise service at Forest Lawn Funeral Home. I don't know if they that were listening at 6.15 in the morning thought it was a privilege. In fact, the funeral home director, we were talking, I said, listen, you don't have to be there before 545. I was like, oh, thanks. Appreciate that. That's, you know, glad to hear that. But usually when I preach at that funeral home, I preach behind a podium and laying in front of me is a casket. I just want to ask you something, all right? What do you think would happen if while I'm preaching, that casket opened from the inside and somebody sat up? Yeah, there's going to be some running, right? Like, I don't know what they're doing, but I'm running. In fact, I told Bill, came and led some music, and I said, are we going to be out in the graveyard? They go, no, 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 we're going to be inside. I was like, good, because I didn't know about that whole, you know the old hymn, Up from the Grave He Arose. I don't, I don't know about singing that, standing on top of graves, all right? Because death 
There's nothing more powerful from human terms. And yet the resurrection says that Jesus is more powerful than death. Right? That power, it says, in the New Testament, that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you, and it says the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now available to you. Now, I don't know how you measure the power that raised Jesus from the dead, but it's a lot. And it's available to you. Nothing you're facing is bigger than the power available because of the resurrection. Here's the last thing. Because He lives, we have life. That's twofold. First of all, that means that we have a life that is greater and better than anything anybody could ever imagine here and now. I'm going to tell you, there is no greater satisfaction in life than living and following Jesus Christ with all that you are, 100%. Nothing. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That doesn't mean there are going to be problems. But I can tell you there is nothing better than that. But here's the good news. This life isn't it. You think about how depressing it would be if this life was all that there was. Because you and I both know that bad news comes all the time. Amen? And we live in a fallen world with words like infant mortality, child abuse, mass murder, shooting frenzy, plague. And if this is all there is, it is a depressing thing to think about. Amen? Broken homes, messed up relationships, drug-induced illness. But Paul says, if we only have hope for Jesus in this life, we are to be pitied more than anybody else. But praise be to God that His resurrection means that our hope is forever. Isn't it? It's a prelude. The beginning, the opening verse to the greatest life you can imagine. And here's the great thing about it. When you look at those three things, you look at those four things, you look at the purpose, you look at the forgiveness, you look at the power, and you look at the life. It shows us that God is taking care of everything in our past that could ever be a problem. He gives us the power to face whatever is now here in the present. And He promises us a life of eternity in the future. He's taking care of it all, and the resurrection proves it. Now listen, I don't say things like this lightly, because I know that life is hard. I mean, there are people that go through hard lives. I understand that that's the case. I just don't know how people do it without Jesus. Without the resurrection in our lives. The statement, Jesus is alive, has changed more than any other statement in the history of the world. But my question to you this morning is, has it changed you? Do you experience the purpose and the forgiveness and the power and the life that comes from following Him? It is the question of first importance. It is the question that must be answered if no other questions are answered. It is the one you skip to on the exam to make sure you get right or the rest of the exam doesn't count. Christ died, according to the Scriptures, for our sins 
was buried and was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Has that truth changed you? In just a moment, we're going to have a time of response and I'm going to be standing down at the front. I'd love for you to come talk to me. If it hasn't or it has and you need to talk to someone, if there are issues in your life, if there's places of forgiveness that you need, if there are moments that you need to talk about, I'll be glad to talk with you. It's also a time you can just come and pray down here at the front. You don't have to come talk to me. You can just come and pray. If you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, maybe seeing some people in the baptistry today, you realize that you've never given your heart, your life, your soul, your, 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 to follow Him. Or maybe you have and you've never been baptized. You know that you need to do that. I'm going to be standing right here. I'd love to talk with you. If you're here today and you say, you know, I did. I accepted the Lord. I was baptized. But man, lately I just hadn't been following Him. I'm going to invite you to come and pray or talk to me about that. Listen, if you're a believer in this room, if you've answered that question of what you believe about Jesus alive as yes, absolutely, and I want to give my life to Him, it ought to today be a reminder of the joy we have and the power that is available for us to live. If you haven't, it's another opportunity to deal with that question. And I would just ask you to seriously deal with the question of who Jesus is. You don't know when the last breath or the bad diagnosis, you don't know when the opportunities are going to be gone. I know that the Lord has placed you here today and today is an opportunity. Don't let it go. And as we sing here in a minute, and as we worship together, I'm just going to ask you to do whatever the Lord wants you to do. You may not have a clue how to interpret that or to know that. I'd love to talk with you down here. I'm just going to ask you to follow the Lord today. Would you pray with me?